Welcome to Bad Patient. I'm Robin Donovan. And I'm Laura Marker. And we are two non-medical, non-experts taking an unreasonably deep dive into this week's health news. This week's words are long life, superbugs, save the planet, and fat. And what? Fat? Fat. Fat. I got it. Okay. Got it. Long life, superbugs, save the planet, fat. It's almost like a story, you know? I'm not sure how fat ends it. So it's going for. Yeah. All right. I have a special circumstance today. Okay. One, I did not get a lot of sleep last night. I was working on like a special project and it was one of those things where I was like, I'm like, I'm not going to bed until I get this like chunk of it done. And let's just suffice to say that I did not get said chunk of it done until like 2 a.m. And I'm like very proud of myself for getting it done, but also like, mm. so then I did what we all do and drank caffeine this morning. Only I'm not a normal caffeine drinker. And so it was like gigantic boost of energy. And I like buzzed through all these emails at work and stuff and had a great work day. And then, like, got off work and was like, oh, dear God. So uh, we're in that period now. And if it seems like I don't care about the story, it's it's not true. I care. I'm just tired. And all my brain cells are tired, too, because they got all zhuzhed up on caffeine and then let down. <laughs> I think that takes us to our we first story. We can reschedule this if you don't. <laughs> on an activity. If you don't want to do this. I okay. mean, I think it's more fun if we do it when I am tired. Let's be fair. Okay. All right. So our first story comes from CNN. Um, is how likely are you to live to ninety? Depends on your gender and body size. Oh, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna predictably guess female and like yeah, not and like a little bit heavier than the skinniest one. Uh, kind yeah yeah. So uh, this is a new study that was published in the BMJ. Uh. Its studies have found that women who lived to be 90 were, on average, taller and put on less weight since the age of 20 compared to women who were shorter and heavier. So, oh, were you right? I'm not really sure. No, I was partially right. <laughs> women, although that was obvious. I was thinking they were going to say, they were going to reference that finding that people who are at the bottom of the healthy BMI, I think that's been associated with a very slightly lower lifespan as if you're if you're in the healthy range but you're a little on the higher end because it's like if you got super sick or you had to go through chemo it's like losing a bunch of weight would put you, you take below it. a healthy bmi whereas if you had a little extra you could stay within the healthy bmi range if something stressful happened so no i wasn't gotcha. really i wasn't really right i was partially right um i also i also like that okay. you're just you just bmj you know like british medical journal who needs that <laughs> like we this is a reference we now know and understand boom uh for men there was uh that association was not there and it was more uh based on physical activity for men than women so um it's looking at uh a research that started in 1986 where they asked 7,000 norwegian men and women between 55 and 69 their height current weight and their weight at age 20 um and then their current physical activity which included like Dog walking, gardening, home improvements, biking, walking uh, to work and sports. So all that jazz. And then they kind of put them in three different quotas of like less than 30 minutes, 30 to 60, and 90 or more. Woo! And since then, uh, of the over 7,000 participants, uh, 433 men and 994 women are still alive to age 90. And so they looked at that. Um, Okay. 
And women who weighed less at age 20 and put on less weight than they as they aged were more likely to live longer than heavier women. Also, height. So women who are taller than 5'9 were 31% more likely to live mm-hmm. in their 90s than women no. who were less than 5 foot 3 inches. Oh. So, what about the I don't know where that puts middle. you. <laughs> I'm like 5... <laughs> I'm in between 5'6 five, and 5'7. Five, I think I'm closer to 5'7, but... As you know, that's been a contentious, uh, a contentious fact about me and my dating life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, how tall are you? Um, uh, yeah. So, but this is like mind-boggling for for me, Robin. Can I just explain to you? You better. Why it's mind-boggling? Yes. Okay. So my personal life goal is to be 113. Yes. Uh, that way I can have C three centuries. We've established that it's yes. a great goal. It is probably a good not going to make it based on my, <gasps> my lifestyle. Choices, not with that attitude. You're okay. not, <laughs> but okay. Now. Okay. I just want you to picture, uh, a woman age 90. How fucking tall is she? Ooh, She's little, a little, little old woman. Teeny tiny woman. Yeah. They're not over five, nine. There aren't really old, tall women. <laughs> oh, no, but didn't I you say close... this is a study of Norwegian people? They're bigger than us. Uh, it's just like, it's like, I just like, I don't see old. They're always little old ladies. They're never tall old ladies. Like the, the thing is like, they're tall old men. I see, I see them all the time. But when was the last time you saw a really old, tall lady? Never. I mean, Biology would dictate that we seem to be getting taller in successive generations. So a shorter, a shorter, older person is very unlikely. It's just, it's just, it's just a struggle as like a woman who is tall, um, like nearly six foot. Like it's, um, just like there, I have, you know, representation matters, Robin. (laughs) And you are an Amazonian beauty. I get it. I mean, I'm with you here. But like, I don't, I don't see tall old ladies so i it's hard for me to imagine being a tall old lady you know know. like uh, maybe i'll be that trailblazer for people coming after (laughs) me (laughs) well Uh, maybe what's more likely is that your tallness will become perceptually diminished over time as more and more women attain your height or i'll shrink (laughs) osteoporosis is kind of a bitch yeah so that's what I'm banking on. <laughs> also, though, they're saying this was an observational study. So they're just, they looked at a big yep. group of people and da, da, da. So I'm not quite sure I understand why they're comparing the recent study to a 1986 study, unless there have, haven't been any similar studies in the ensuing 31 years. I mean. No, that- that's, that's, who, that's who they, that's who they asked. That's who they've tracked. It started in 1986. Oh, see, (laughs) tired brain, tired brain weighs in like this doesn't make sense. (laughs) All right. Okay. So they did this over 30 years. Yeah. I also, so like, I I also feel that you observational a hundred percent. I don't feel like you appreciated my point about Norwegians being tall. I, I, okay. If we did the study in the U S there wouldn't have been any old people who are that tall. Okay. That's might be fair, but like, here's my bias. Okay. Okay. Five five nine is not tall. <laughs> for a for a woman, it is though, because isn't the average female I, height like five no, four? I don't. I I think no. I would I would notice more short people. Uh, but to be <laughs> tall in my 
in my opinion, uh, is to be taller than me. So five <laughs> nine is not tall. <laughs> That's funny. Wait, so how tall are you? I am uh, five eleven and three quarters. So, girl, um, oh, six foot and shoes. Okay, so I googled how tall is tall for a woman, and the first answer, the first Google result that came up, talks about what is an ideal height for a woman in according to a man. This is offensive. Oh. Also, am I? And I'm in. I'm in private browsing mode, meaning that this should not be influenced by my search history. You're welcome, listeners. I'm trying to give you the most unbiased information possible. Um, do you want to know what it says, or are we so annoyed we don't even want to talk about it? I feel like the people must know now. Uh, Pandora's box. I don't, What's uh, it going to be? Do you want it, or do you not? Yeah. All right. Well, luckily for you, Laura, men tend to want a woman no taller than six feet. Ding, 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 ding. You win. While women want a man no shorter than five feet, four inches. So at least they let us, you know, go both directions here. Uh, new research into the subject of height finds that men and women both tend to think it's ideal to be slightly above average, although people are fairly open-minded. I don't I don't know what this website is. It's called yougov.co.uk, which might, which might actually be... Do you think that that's a government website or like what no it's some company all right forget it i don't even want this response how how to determine if you are a tall girl from wiki how now i really wish they would have said woman here or and or okay the average woman in the united states is a little under five four i just just seems this is mind-boggling this just seems mind-boggling short (laughs) no because i don't know i mean i have like girlfriends who are like five two five one I guess I'm like uncommon because I, I, I don't think I have very many short women. For, I don't know. Well, I'll, maybe I'll have to investigate now. Do you think it's because you can't, are. you can't, you can't hear them like they're too far away? They're too far down. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. Oh Here, my uh, god. <laughs> okay, okay. This is how to determine if you're a tall girl. I think we should be open to hating this content, but it is WikiHow, which usually I like. Uh, no, no author info immediately listed because they know we're going to set them on fire. Okay. Step one, see if you're taller than most of the girls, you know, if you're standing around a group of friends and you're towering over them, then yeah, you're tall. That's stupid. That's like, what if you won't, like you said, what if you only hang out with, you know? So this is for children. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I feel like WikiHow is for everyone, but fine. Okay. So that one's dumb. Over one. Two, see if you have a hard time finding clothes that fit you. If you regularly have a hard time finding pants. Because they are always too short, then yeah, you're tall. Um, okay. Uh, half a point. Three, see if everyone around you asks if you play basketball or volleyball. Is that your experience? Yeah. I think that actually checks out. I think, unfortunately, people do say that. <laughs> see if mm-hmm. you're see if you're taller than 5'6". All of a sudden, they're bringing in the quantitative descriptors. Though this measurement can change depending on what country you're from. What? Oh, I see. Because they're giving like an average height. In general, if you're taller than this, you can be considered tall. <gasps> Laura, I can be considered tall, depending on... You're not. <laughs> See if you're just hitting puberty earlier than other people. Okay, maybe this is for children. If you feel tall, yeah, but you're only girls. 11, you may just be developing faster than a lot of your girlfriends. Six. See if you can never blend in when you're in a crowd. And then it says there's nothing wrong with that. Who says it's standing out is a bad thing? See if you never have enough leg room. See if you tower over most of the guys your age. See if you feel... 
how are there this many ideas? See if you feel guilty for always blocking everyone's view when you go to a concert or the movies. Oh, Laura, there's a part two. It's called Being Proud to be Tall. And now I'm going to stop reading Wikipedia to everyone, <laughs> but I'm a little disappointed in this article. You know what it should say? How to tell if you're tall? It doesn't really matter. Be yourself. You're great. End of story. I mean, I understand, like, pe- the people want to know sometimes. Like, people want to know things, but... I don't know if I would go telling children, like, just look around and compare yourself to other people. Do people say you look weird? Then you look weird. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot to be <laughs> putting on the next generation. Wow. 41 people, some anonymous, worked to edit and improve this article over time, which has been viewed over 300,000 times, which is really not that much in the context. Wait, I get to vote. Did the article help me? I'm going to say no. All right. So... I don't really know if I even understand the study. I got distracted by Wikipedia. In general, taller women. So you're more likely to make this three centuries thing work than me is, is from that measurement. Yes. And then height. Your your exercise does not help you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, listen, I, I might be wheeling myself around in a wheelchair with like two artificial hips and like two artificial knees by then. But I have every intention of living a long life. I'm trying. Also, did you see the end paragraph? They're talking about slowing. This is a slowing of life expectancy. I would say a decrease of life expectancy. Because, like, speed Mm -hmm. is not the right descriptor for that. Hashtag editor thoughts. Um, But they talk about (laughs) drug overdoses and suicides being to blame for the recent decline in lifespan. So they're like, we did this big study, but it doesn't matter because none of y'all are going to live that long. Anyway, stop eating Cheetos. And this story concludes, like so many, like so many do, that two things, two things can help us live longer. Diet and exercise. Always diet and exercise. Yes, always. One week, one week. I want us to, I want us to do like a whole podcast on lifespan and longevity and causes of death. And like, I just want us to go all into it. Like sometime. Could be anytime. Next week would be great. Thanks. Next story. Okay. So hang on a second, Robin. I need to do... Are you getting a grocery uh, a delivery? No. Because <laughs> sometimes when we're podcasting, you get a grocery delivery. <laughs> well, that's not my fault. It came too early. How was we that, took too long. How was that right. gold star? Uh, it, was, it was fine. I did not want it. <laughs> um, okay. So I just sent you the next news article in Messenger just now. Oh, okay. So our next article comes from uh, BuzzFeed because... Um, I found this, I found the subject that I wanted to do, uh, on what I thought was just like a, a local news for like Utah. And then I realized it said CNN. So we were going to have two CNN stories and I didn't mm. want to do that. So this is now from BuzzFeed. Gotcha. So it still, still, still works. So this okay. is from BuzzFeed and it's the WHO's top global health threats for 2019 may Ooh. surprise you. I love it. Boilers include superbugs. So, uh, here, these are the top 10 and they're in no particular order. And just because they are not on the list of the top 10 does not mean that they're not important and that the WHO is not actively trying to combat them. But these are the top 10 (laughs) things for 2019. I heard, I heard the the WHO was like, it doesn't mean that you're not important. It's important. (laughs) Or I I hear it more like a a surly teenager who's like, listen, don't at me. You know, that, like, Twitter reference, like, <laughs> don't at me. I know other yes. things are important. Yes. So, number one is the reluctance or refusal to va- va- vaccinate. 
vaccinate. I don't know why I was struggling for that word. I, um, I said so it really fast because I thought you were going to say another word that starts with a V and our listeners, they're not ready for that, Laura. They're not. So uh, vaccine hesitancy <laughs> is what the WHO calls it. And it's the reluctance or refusal to vaccinate, vaccinate depending on vaccines availability. Yeah. Even free in many communities or many countries. Um, there's a number of reasons why people don't sometimes um, lack of access or poor confidence in vaccines is a, a key factor, but it's um, talking about measles being up, yep. which I saw a news article that Portland has uh, yes. measles coming uh, more of a hot spot. We have um, more than more... 20 cases right now, as we are recording, more than 20 cases, confirmed cases of the measles in Multnomah County and, like, I think, like, a couple surrounding counties because yeah. kids got the measles and guess what? They went to, to, they went to, like, an elementary school or something. They went to a high school. They went to an urgent care. And so, I mean, yeah. And of the people who got the measles, I can't remember if it was 21 or 22, but 19 of them had not been 17, 19, some, sorry. I don't have the exact numbers, but call it 17. Majority. Yeah. Vast majority had not been vaccinated. And I'm like, why do we have to wait for a child to die before we realize that vaccination is super duper important? Yeah, I just don't get sucks. it. I'm like, hello. So, so there's also in places with conflict or displacement, or lack of resources is also one of the reasons, but uh, the WHO uh, says that vaccines are currently preventing two to three million deaths a year, and a further 1.5 million could be saved globally if um, if there was if global coverage of vaccines improved. Um, the next one is global influenza pandemic. Um, so looking at influenza A and B viruses, um, and then also swine flu, which uh, people are more likely to um, uh, be percept or be people under fifty are more likely to get. Do you know why? Because the in the fifties or whatever, whatever the age fifty people are when they were born or whatever, the swine flu that was around that people are more immune to was around back then, and now a similar strand is coming up now. So, like, people hmm. who are over 50 might have built-in um, resistance Immunity. to it. That's awesome. There's, yeah, I actually yes. got the H1N1 vaccine in grad school because they were trying to get all everyone in college scenarios to get it. But as we know, they're I, not they're not. Always I got it, protective. too. Woo! I got it, too. When I worked at Disney, uh, they gave it free at the bus stop because I lived in community housing or whatever. <laughs> and then... Have I told you this story where, like, no. I read the side effects and it included death because it always has to because yeah. someone has died or whatever. Um, and so I thought, oh, my God, what if I die? They won't know how I died. So I held the piece of paper while I went to work um, in case I died on the bus. Uh, so they would smart. know that I had just recently gotten. Very you know, smart. It was, it was a very odd. It's a very odd Laura thing that I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that of the two of us, I'm the one who's more likely to be more, call it, anxious in medical situations. But I have the exact opposite reaction to receiving the flu shot where they always like give it to you and then they say, or give it to me and then they say, hey, like, you know, stick around for 10 or 15 minutes just to make sure. And I say like, yep, yep, absolutely. And then I walk right out the door because like, if I'm going to die, I want to die in my car, not a dirty CVS pharmacy chair you know come on mm -hmm. yeah also, so, uh, also non-communicable 
hang on. I want us to like, I want us to clarify because like we just mentioned vaccines and death and now I feel like we are like 0.01% perpetuating that. So I want to say that like you can have an allergic reaction to like a whole lot of things like foods and whatever. And so like the fact that one person in hundreds of millions or whatever got, had an allergic reaction or died or whatever, which I don't even know if anyone has ever died, but you can certainly, you can get that like Guillain- Bar, Guillain-Barre, however you say it, that neurological disease. But yeah, death is not like a realistic outcome of the flu shot. But death is is a realistic outcome of getting the flu. So at times. Yes. Unlikely, also, but possible. Also, the reason why people don't get vaccines is not because they think that they'll die from them. It's that they think that they cause autism, which they don't. Uh, they um, certainly do not. Three non-communal diseases, which thoroughly confused me for a second because I thought, well, then how the fuck do you get them if they... <laughs> um, this is this is like cancer. This is like yes. heart disease. Yes. This is diabetes. And I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, for people in fragile and vulnerable settings due to crisis, so the different um, conflict, poverty, famine, drought, and population just... Uh, displacement is causing a great deal of um, vulnerability because it's a breakdown of the health system um, making that drug resistance bacteria parasites and viruses which the one thing that was said that we can all do is to use um, antibiotics as prescribed to help prevent uh, the creation of more superbugs yeah don't ask for it if you Uh, don't need it yeah yes air pollution and climate change uh Ooh, yeah the the ebola virus and other high threat pathogens Wait. hiv the air pollution one says nine out of ten people breathe air containing high levels of pollutants every day according to the world health organization nine mm-hmm. out of ten mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. well that's it i'm gonna just stop leaving the house that's obviously the only thing that any of us can safely do quit your job laura we're podcasting yeah. full-time <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, where do most people live in cities, urban mm. centers, yeah. that are more likely to have concentration of pollution, especially with the huge cities in, like, China or whatever, where, like, a billion people live. I know they got, like, smog alerts all the time in different places. Like, Mexico City is in a valley, and so that's, like, super unhealthy because it can't escape. Super bad. Um, ineffective or inadequate primary care. Um, and... Uh, dengue fever and mosquito-borne illnesses. Yeah, I think it's good for us to get a a global perspective on this because we tend to talk about a lot of U.S. health issues. And I think we sometimes forget, or I know I sometimes forget, that there's still... There are other people here. Yeah, and there's like really basic illnesses that, you know, really basic care could prevent. Like, you know, people are dying of like infections because of lack of sanitary conditions in medical facilities in certain parts of the world. We're over here like, does this kombucha have caffeine? I just, mm, I don't know. You know. Yeah. All right. You ready for the next story? Mm-hmm. So this comes from Bring Me the News. And it's scientists say this diet will save lives and the earth. This is a made so, up story. Or this is, I don't even know. I'm saying this, this whole thing. It's not real. What? I don't like it. What is Bring Me the News? I don't know. It's a very reputable source. It's talking about a report published in the medical journal, The Lancet, that would provide substance required to feed the 10 billion people if everybody adopted it by 2050 without causing serious damage to the planet. 
Okay. It's the work of a Stockholm-based nonprofit, Eat, compromised of thirty, comprising of work of thirty-seven scientists who looked at ways to reduce climate impact of food consumption. So basically, stop eating meat and sugar and everything delicious and potatoes, and uh, advocating eating low amounts of low to moderate amounts of seafood and poultry, um, and then doubling the amount of vegetables, fruits, and nuts. You know, I'm surprised that they didn't say we had to cut out meat entirely. I'm, I'm somewhat heartened by that. Like, I, when you said this, I was like, oh, it's going to be plant-based, right? They're going to say you can't have meat. But look, they're letting us have mm-hmm. it. Yes, you're allowed 3.4 ounces a week, <laughs> which is like the size of a quarter pounder. <laughs> that's, that's just of red meat, though. They're also allowing 7 ounces of poultry and 7 ounces of seafood. Whoa, yes. a pound and a half of legumes. What? 3.8 pounds of dairy. Take that, milk haters. How, mu- how many? Wait. Oh, maybe that's not a lot. How much is a gallon of milk? Wait, a pint's a pound. So how many pints in a gallon? 16 cups in a gallon? Eight pints in a gallon? Eight pounds. A gallon weighs eight pounds. Oh, no. Never mind. I take it back. That's like less than half a gallon of milk. I guess I could do that for the planet. Two medium eggs. Two? Not large. You better you better use butter in the pan because if you put those eggs in there and you cook them up and they stick like that's one egg gone right there. So yeah, I just thought this was an interesting yeah thing. Seven point. I'm having also, trouble with the measurements. Like seven point six ounces of sweeteners. Like how many tablespoons is that? I don't know. I actually kind of like this story. I also like that <laughs> it comes with an infographic. <laughs> I want to see a study on how much more people will believe something like. If it has an infographic, like I want to put out some preposterous piece of information, or then just but put a beautiful infographic with it and see how many people believe me. You know, like I'm gonna be like apples cause cancer, and everyone's gonna be like that's crazy. And I'll look at this infographic though; it's gonna have like little people and little apples, and it's gonna be a little chart, and everyone's gonna be like, oh, these carcinogenic apples, my god. Lancet Commission brief forever. Okay, this is really cool. They have a cool website. It's eatforum.org. Like. They made this not only a study, but like an initiative. And then they published the findings in like a bulleted list that's designed for non-scientist reading levels. They call it the Eat Lancet Commission Brief for Everyone. What? This is so good. Okay, people, eatforum.org. <laughs> or you can just Google Eat Lancet Commission. This is sweet. <laughs> what See, can you do? You just judge it by... You just judged it by its title, Bring Me the News, and you thought, not real. And I did. Totally, <laughs> totally, it totally exceeded your expectations. It did. Because that, the, the headline, Scientists Say This Diet Will Save Lives and the Earth, I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be some, like, modified Mediterranean <laughs> thing with, like, coconut oil and, like, lentils and all this. You know. I'm very skeptical about just coconut oil. It. Or I'm not, like, I just... Okay. I think I heard that coconut oil is less healthy than olive oil although that's like a like healthy is subjective the whole thing that there's like one fat that we should be using and the other ones are bad like i think definitely butter is not as healthy as olive oil but that's the difference between a solid and a liquid fat which is more concrete all right you win you win on this story this is a good story (laughs) (laughs) also something that will surprise no one is that north americans are eating all of the red meat so stop it Stop it. You've had your share. You're not saving the world. Yes. 3.4 ounces of red meat, which includes pork and lamb. Okay, I did not know that. Pork is red meat? I guess. 
I thought pork was like the white meat or something. It's the other white meat. The other white meat. Thing. <laughs> I think that's a marketing. Because they're trying to make you eat pork <laughs> instead of chicken. They lied to me all along. Pork is red meat? Yes, it's marketing. Lamb is red yes, meat? Wait, no, this totally changes everything. Because you know how they say that like people are like, oh, I'm not eating red meat. I thought that just meant beef. Did you know? I did not. But to be fair, no. I don't eat... Okay, that that's way. true. I don't, I don't yeah. care. Like, oh, I'm voting red meat. Okay, yeah, all right. You're right. I was just getting, like, super concerned, but in truth, I never buy pork or lamb, so there's that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, you talk to your doctor and you're like, this is what I eat, da 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 Like, I don't really eat much red meat. And I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't know what red meat was. Yeah, I think you're good, Robin. <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, a little concerned right. I didn't know this, but yeah. You were today years old. <laughs> Okay, it says meat, red meat is meat that is red when raw. Well, pork isn't red when it's mm-hmm. raw. I guess it's reddish. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And really the only reason that beef is red is because they spray it. Do you know that? A lot of times they spray the outside no. of it. Yeah, like ground beef in the grocery store. No. Like the outside will be more red than the inside because they spray it. Or they like put a chemical on it so mm-hmm. that it, because red, usually redder meat is like fresher and then it gets brown as it like oxidizes or something. And so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, my right. God. You ready for... What? Yes. I, in my state of <laughs> shock, am ready for our final story. All right. Our final story comes from Market Watch, and it's your workplace is making you fat. Yeah, no so joke. This is looking at this is looking at, like, what foods are available in American workplace, um, according to a study that's not said where it's... Re- where where it was published. <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's not important. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, for, and looking at, um, at it. So more than 23% of surveyed workers either bought or had free food at work. And they typically were high, um, in empty calories, sodium and refined grain. Um, they are things like, uh, pizza, soft drinks, cookies, brownies, cakes, pies, and candy. Um, and so looking at Americans have put on more pounds with 40% of uh, adults um, being obese versus in 2015-2016 versus 30.5 in 99 to 2000. Uh, and uh, it's looking at um, kind of how, like, how that has happened, right? So we're sitting more, we're not, we're not walking as much, and then we also have these like really bad foods available in our mm-hmm. workplace. Um, so... They are looking at that question. Um, so the survey was done by more than 5,000 employed adults chronicling all the food they had consumed in a seven-day period. <laughs> and it was, uh, and it also said how, uh, whether or not they were paid for by the workers. Um, so what do you think the highest uh, free giveaway was at work? Coffee. Yep. Second uh are we still counting beverages or is it i don't know after like what's next like tea soda oh and then the third one was sandwiches sandwiches like like, yeah things that are available yeah people things that are available in the workplace like mm -hmm. in vending machines and then also available for free who eats so, a sandwich uh, out of a vending? Not like necessarily, as, but like yeah, yeah. Like I get it. they provide sandwiches for the office or whatever. Right? I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that 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 those first three are as healthy as they are. Like I thought it was going to be like tea, like coffee, something, donuts, you know? Because like 
I don't know about you, but like if I if I have a dessert or when I was working in an office, when I had a dessert, I would just take it there. I mean, it was almost like understood that that was what you would do. Like that's where you get rid of a dessert because you don't want to eat it all yourself. You take it to work. Like that's like who doesn't do that? Like what are you a monster? Yeah. You know, like your kid, it's your kid's birthday and you have a big party and then all the kids go home and you have like three sheet cakes left. You don't you take it to work. I mean, that's like 10% of the function of a physical office is to be a junk food dumping ground. Yeah. So in this study, uh, participants, more than 70% of workplace food and drink was free. Um, a person's educational background was a strong predictor of whether or not they had food on the job. College graduates were twice as likely to have food on site compared mm-hmm. to high school. Um, but if we also think about that, college graduates are more likely to work for large employees who have vending machines and or cafeterias on their premise. Got it. Yeah. And plus, like, I feel like office jobs probably have more food because if you're doing any kind of like labor type of position, like it would just be harder to serve you something or, you know, there's no place to bring anything if you're mm-hmm. doing construction yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I organized a meeting recently for a professional development group and had it catered and there was a tray at the end. There was like fruit and there was cheese and uh, there was this tray of pastries. And I was like to everyone there, I was like, folks, someone has to take this. I can't. I'm gluten free and I like cannot eat a single bite of anything on this tray. So like I don't want to take it. And actually we had to end up throwing it away. It was like a Friday meeting. And so it was Friday at the end of the day before we were done. And so I felt like eh, we can't leave it here. No one wanted to take the whole thing. But yeah, eating at work is almost never good. Because honestly, even if you get something healthy, yeah. like you're, you're usually not going to get like a high quality. No one's ever like, I had a fantastic salad for lunch today at the, you know, at the office. Like that's just not, that's not the way it goes. That being said, I wish my company had like a workplace or a, ro- a more robust like workplace wellness program because I feel like I could really cash in on that. You know, I, I also feel like, I feel like the stress eating note in this in this article is on point at least for me personally like last night when i was working late i was just eating (laughs) random things like i think i ate like two apples and a bunch of peanuts like i'm out of peanut butter don't judge and like i wasn't hungry at all it was just late and i was like i need something like and and if i would have had like a dessert i would have eaten that but um life points for me i you know the gluten-free desserts that were left over from that meeting I took to a Saturday meeting that I had to go to. So I dispensed of all sugar-laden carbohydrates in my path. You know, I did a thing. <laughs> and it was hard. Proud do, of you. do you know how hard it is to leave behind a whole tray of gluten-free brownies and these delicious little chewy gluten-free ginger cookie things? I wanted to just take them all home, put them in the freezer, and eat them breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of the week. But I can't do it. I can't do it. Like... I can only bring as much junk food into my house as as I want to eat in like a day or two. I feel like because that's that's the amount of time it's going to last, whether it's an appropriate amount for a day or two or whether it's like a ton. So I have to like try to ration it out a little. You, on the other hand, like you it. know, like getting, getting your groceries delivered and whatnot. I mean, I guess you <laughs> do you if you want something, do you just snap your fingers and it appears or, or what? What's the... <laughs> I actually have a genie <laughs> in a bottle. So I'm good. So Christina Aguilera brings you like your milk and stuff every week. I got it. Yes. And right. she gives me a voice lesson. Whoa. I For a second there, I was like, where is this going? Wait, is she still like around? 
Because I feel like I haven't heard like a new Christina Aguilera single in like a long time. That is accurate, but she's, I think she's on The Voice, right? Yeah, no, like, she is a judge or something, The Voice. I feel like, I don't know how I know that, but man, side note, Laura, that all I want in life right now is like Hulu access to watch The Handmaiden's Tale, but I don't want to pay for it because I already have Netflix and I watch too many Netflix already. And, but still, I just want to watch The Handmaiden's Tale. Like, I just want to know what everyone's talking about. It's very frustrating. I thought about signing up for a free Hulu trial just to, like, watch the whole, I was like, could I watch the whole thing in a month? Is there a way? You know? And then I was like, self, this is not the choice that we want to make. But, like, I'm still on the fence. Um, Wait, is that our last story? Because, like, some of us are slightly sleepy and do not remember. Okay. Um, My health fascination this week is, I don't even know. Actually, to be honest, even though I joked about it earlier, I was going to talk about caffeine in kombucha or like caffeine in decaf products. Are you aware that decaf is not completely decaf? Yes. Well, I like, I thought it was like a trace amount, but it turns out that like, depending on how much decaf you drink, I mean, you'd have to be a lot, but I mean, it's like, it can be like, I think said five to 10 milligrams or something per per cup and like kombucha is the same it's like not completely decaffeinated and i know this because pre the meeting i organized i had to give a presentation and i was up a little bit working on it and i was like i'm just gonna stay super hydrated during this meeting because caffeine and i are not friends and i was like i'm gonna stay super hydrated and then i'm gonna be very alert and it totally worked only i was drinking kombucha all day long which like sometimes like that can be problematic because there can be sugar in it. And so you think you're drinking this healthy thing, but different kombuchas can have like wildly variant amounts of sugar. So heads up, kombucha drinkers, heads up. But so anyway, I and I found out later that I was like, yeah, no, I was probably also slightly hopped up on caffeine because I never drink any or I rarely. And then I, you know, had a couple of those. So my one of my friends also told me that if you want to naturally decaffeinate your own tea, you can just steep it for like 15 seconds and then pour out the, she called it the first wash. And then I guess it'll still make good tea because it's not like the, the leaves haven't completely, you know, given up all their goodness yet. And so you can still make good tea, but decaffeinate it on your own. So, yeah. so now I'm like, how much, so how much caffeine have I really been ingesting via, it's not like I drink that much kombucha. I would, but it's like super pricey. Um, and like making it yourself is is a is like a weird process involving something called a mother, which is like a seriously like an amorphous glob of whatever, and it's intimidating to me. But I drink a good amount of tea, although I guess a lot of my tea is like naturally decaffeinated. It's not decaffeinated; it's just caffeine free, like herbal on some level. Point being, I've been rethinking my caffeine consumption and being like, maybe I'm consuming a little more than I think. Also, as a tangent to that. I'm very annoyed that the like standard doctor's office question is like, how many cups of coffee or tea do you drink a day? Because I feel like they're asking that question to get a caffeine check and like caffeine levels in tea vary quite widely. And they never ask you if like, they just assume that you're not drinking decaf. And so I'm like, am I supposed to say zero if it's all decaf or like, you know what I mean? It's just, I think it's like a badly worded question to be like, what are sources of caffeine in your diet? Like, or which sources of caffeine do you consume? And then say like caffeinated coffee, caffeinated tea, or like, if you really want to know how much tea I drink, I suppose I could try to get a read on that. But you know, it's a bad question. It's like, it's like garbage in garbage out data collection. Mm -hmm. What is your current event fascination? Also heads up government still closed. But did you know that the post office is still being paid? No. Are they not included in the funding? Well, 
or because they have revenue. Yeah, I think I think some like I think like Social Security is still paying out because they got their money like approved in September. And USPS is still working, I know, because I got a box that was terribly mangled. And so I was like, oh, is this like a shutdown issue? Like someone got pissed? But no, I mean, so I, I think certain departments um, have gotten their funding approved like prior to this or something and are still like welfare is still operating, yes. I think. Anyway, this is supposed to be your current event fascination, not mine. Well, I mean, to clarify, there's seven departments that are need to be reauthorized for additional funding. Um, oh. And so... It's not the whole government. It's just those seven, <laughs> including Homeland Security, which is in charge of ICE and border security, which is why um, some people have in the House, the Democrats have offered like two separate bills, one with the six other departments that do not include Homeland Security, so they can just focus on that or whatever. But um, so uh, the current political story that I like saw that like affecting health news was like looking at um, immigrant migrants and refugees health um, and different kind of myths about that. Uh, They are not uh, more likely to be unhealthy, although living in refugee camps without proper sanitation can cause um, health issues. Um, Looking at the different challenges that they have when they resettle um, of the, uh, 3% of the world population that is uh, migrant or refugee status, um, 85% of them end up in developed nations. Um, So that's why it might feel like there are more uh, migrants, but that's not necessarily true. The number of refugees has kind of remained constant with like the displaced people um, has kind of remained constant that way, um, despite the different crises that are happening. So looking at different things like, um, lack of access to healthcare because of fear of discrimination or language barriers or um, having um, not having access because of uh, social economics, um, kind of looking at those kinds of things and how those impact their health, not necessarily that they're more likely to. They're less mm-hmm. likely to have cancer, but more likely to get it in to have it detected in late stages, probably because of those other things of not going to the doctor and catching right. it as early. So that's that's wild. something not related to to the uh, shutdown. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's the bit about there being a constant number of refugees? I don't know if I understand that. Like, does that mean that even if I perceive that, like, the world has become more violent, the truth is that it really hasn't. And it's just like the same number of displaced people over the past decade. So people like- who are active, people who are actively seeking refugee status and trying to migrate. Um, has remained constant. It's about 3% of the world's population um, versus Mm -hmm. people who are displaced within their own country um, or um, different things like that. So like right now with the government shutdown, it's because of migrants on the southern border. And it might feel like there are more people entering the United States um, illegally, but actually it's down. Um, The number of migrants is down. It's just that they're coming from, instead of just from Mexico, they're coming from further away and they're coming in caravans with larger groups. It gives the illusion that there is more people. But the number of migrants, illegal migrants, according to the U.S. government itself, is down um, and has been on a downward trend since, Hmm. I think, 2016. Okay. The more you know. most of the people who come, most people who come to the United States 
illegally are over are over stairs, not illegal border crossers. Oh Does yeah, that no, they that that totally makes come sense. on a visa and then don't leave. So yeah, um, that's why I don't necessarily think a, a wall will prevent people from vac- from coming legally and overstaying. Yeah. Okay. So delightful anecdote. When I was spending some time in Mexico, what is now more than ten years ago, which is shocking. To me, um. I talked to people and did a little research paper on immigration from the town that I lived in. And a number of people mentioned to me that the immigration practices were heavily influenced by the difficulty in crossing the border, meaning that in their experience, many people would have preferred to come to the U.S., work for a season, return to Mexico for another, like whatever the off season and then come back and go back and forth. But they ended up staying in the U.S. for years on end because of the cost, expense, and danger of getting over the border. So, like, ironically, some of the border protection was keeping people in the country. Does that make sense? Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. That's obviously not a generalizable finding, but it was something I had never considered. I was like, oh, yeah, because, like, if you know you want to be in the U.S. for, like, two growing seasons or something, and it's super hard to you know, hard to get back, mm-hmm. then you just Absolutely. stay. So You just stay. Well, hopefully, by the time we do our next thing, the government will be back up and running. But even if the government's not working, we're working, and we appreciate you listening to the podcast. You can send us your topic ideas at hello at thebadpatient.com. And before we get going, we want to say a special thank you to composer Evan Schaefer. Thanks, Evan. You can listen to his music at soundcloud.com slash Evan Schaefer. You can also check us out on Twitter. We've been tweeting a little more recently, and we are at thebadpatient. Until next time, we're Bad Patient.